You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. We're going to be getting a series entitled Signs of the Times. Everybody is asking that question, when are the last days among us? Over the next five weeks, we'll be discussing the end times and the last days. Hope you enjoy it. God bless you. Uh, Continuing with my Signs of the Time uh, series, Uh, this is part four. And I'm calling it the day of the serpent. And I'll I'll, uh, hopefully explain that over the next uh, few minutes. Anyways, let's begin with the fact that God always begins with the end in mind. He begins with the end in mind. Our omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, always present, omniscient, all-knowing, Heavenly Father planned since the foundations of the earth for his only son, Jesus Christ, to sacrifice his life for the sin of man. He also knew that Eve would be deceived by the serpent and had a plan set in place from the beginning. God had prepared everything in advance in his mind. He had it laid out. The earliest very earliest words of the good news regarding God's redemption plan for mankind occurs in the third chapter of Genesis at the very beginning of the Bible, following the serpent's deception of Eve, where she, where he deceived Eve. Shortly after that, God says to the serpent, I will make you and the woman hate each other. Her offspring and yours will always be enemies. Her, <clears throat> excuse me, her offspring who is Jesus, will crush your head and you, serpent, will bite her offspring heels. And that's what happened at the crucifixion. In a sense, war in heaven had just been declared. A heavenly war fought on earth between the offspring of Adam's race and Satan's hordes of fallen angels. We, we know that a number, one-third of the angels, followed uh, Satan when he was Lucifer, when he was thrown out of heaven. A spiritual warfare that ends, this spiritual warfare ends in the third last chapter of Revelation from the first few chapters of the book of Genesis. We skip right to the very last three chapters of the book of Revelation with the Heavenly Father's victory over the dragon, which is said the ancient serpent who is the devil, and which says, who had been deceiving them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's in Revelations chapter 20. What you and I are living right now is the in-between, the battle in-between. The, ba- the spiritual battle and testing of faith between the first chapter chapters of Genesis and the last chapters of Revelation. If you are awake to biblical prophecy, you recognize and begin to recognize the signs of the times. If you are not let me report to you that our book has entered the climax stage of the Bible. What we're seeing is the last chapters being lived out. The battle of the ages is won by keeping your mind and eyes fixed on Jesus during these days. Ultimately, we know that the foe, the enemy, Satan, the serpent, is defeated. And there's nothing God has not anticipated or planned for his all-surpassing power. He's got that. He knows what's happening. God always has a plan, a plan that obviously includes you that are hearing this today, a plan for everything happening today. God begins with the end in mind. and the very end, we win. We win. 
So part four of the signs of the time entitled the hour of the serpent spans in our last days series a seven year period known as the great tribulation. From the mouth of Jesus, from Matthew, he says, For there will be a great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. The idea that the serpent is a reference to Satan is beyond dispute in the Bible. And he's mentioned several times. Paul warns about the cunning ways of the serpent corrupting Eve, and then how he's seeking to corrupt you, corrupt you and me. 2 Corinthians talks about that. He talks about the enemy trying to corrupt us. And he's good at it. He's a deceiver. If you knew he was coming, you would run. John, the Apostle John, speaks regarding uh, throwing the dragon, the ancient serpent, Satan, the devil, into the lake of fire. Satan is the serpent. He's a snake. He's the father of lies. He masquerades, the Bible says, as an angel of light. An angel of light. Like he, he doesn't come and display himself. He comes in a crafty way. He is the snake charmer behind the great tribulation. He's never ceasing his desire to kill, steal, and destroy all of God's creation. He, he doesn't care. The earth, the, the ozone, the rainforests, anything that God created, he wants to destroy. But especially so the crown of creation, the offspring of women. Oh, man, and his target, for sure, if you're listening, you know this. Young ch children, teenage boys and girls especially, are a vulnerable target in today's world of the enemy. But now Jesus' rescue mission began by when he arrived on earth. He came to set the captive free from sin and for all the wickedness. The offspring of Adam and Eve uh, and the, and the attack by the enemy in the garden, he came to reverse, to restore. The restoration plan began, began with Christ's death and resurrection. And it is followed up in the Bible with the church, the birth of the church, the bride of Christ being born. The, per, the church proclaims the good news of salvation until, if you listen last week's message, it is snatched away in what is called the rapture. After that rapture begins the hour of the serpent called the great tribulation that I'm calling the hour of the serpent, which is the great tribulation. Seven years of the serpent's unleashing and unequaled anguish upon the world that has never been seen, an anguish that will never, ever be equaled again. This is serious stuff. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, you understand some of these things. If you're hearing for the first time, I'm, I'm just trying to again, share with you from God's word what it talks about the days that we are living in, the last days. Only those who have committed their life to Jesus, the son of the living God, will be snatched away in the lightning strike of the rapture. All those remaining after the rapture will face the great tribulation. So I personally believe that the great tribulation begins in the moment the church or the bride is snatched away and raptured. In the same flash, the church vanishes with one lightning strike. Satan, who fell from heaven, that the Bible says, like a lightning strike, attacks and right away. He, it's only the Holy Spirit and the church holding back Satan's forces right now. The Bible talks about that, the good of the Holy Spirit and the church. That's what's holding back. That's what's keeping things in order. And I know some will disagree about that, but from a biblical perspective, that's, that's true. 
right away after the church is removed, the seven years of great tribulation happens, in my opinion, simultaneously as Jesus snatches away his bride. The coming great tribulation begins a global event that completely shatters everything of earth's natural order. The moment that church is removed, I mean, that's how desperate the enemy wants to destroy people. At the moment that the Holy Spirit of God is removed, that he leaves and with his church, all hell literally breaks loose. A lightning storm erupts without warning in the atmosphere. Hundreds of thousands of flashes of lightning begin striking around the earth. The church is gone. The lightning starts. The meteorologists around the globe begin talking of disturbing and mysterious happenings in the atmosphere. The sun darkens in an unexpected eclipse as the sky darkens with smoke from the wildfires started by all of the lightning strikes. The moon's gravitational pull is weirdly affected by all the eclipses and smoke and darkness covering the earth, changing the tides of the world. Tsunamis begin to occur, all kinds of terrible, drastic things. Out of the cosmos, a huge asteroid pummels the earth, which is followed quickly by the earthquakes being triggered by the asteroid's impact. I mean, all of these things happen together. Worldwide disaster falls, hundreds of thousands killed and missing. Some have said, Where, where's the church gone? Where, why, wouldn't the people all be alerted to the fact that the, the raptures happened? Not necessarily. If the church has been caught up in the air and transformed with all the state of confusion, people aren't even going to wonder with all the thousands of people missing around the globe. Not only that, on earth, a state of confusion and the governments begin to happen. I mean, those surviving are less behind or bewildered. They're frightened. They're way worse than any COVID kind of pandemic. Mass confusion happens with impending famine looks to be happening and with all of the things out of sorts. Water shortages across the globe uh, begin to occur because of the asteroid poisoning the water. In the last moments of that day, the last of the shattering events takes place. We can't even begin to imagine this enormous earthquake, an earthquake of massive destruction occurs with whole islands disappearing. The the earthquakes from the other ones trigger the California San Andreas Fault, which leaves Los Angeles in pieces. The great structures of the world are gone. And I'm not talking just about the Eiffel Tower or Buckingham Palace or the, the White House, the Kremlin, Kremlin and other buildings. I'm talking about democracy and capitalism and all the different things that are holding our world economy together as we know it. Wiped out in an hour. All of these things, destruction, the monarchs of the world, the, the, the communism of the world, all those gone. There will be such wailing and gnashing of teeth for those who survive. And that's just the end of the first day. You need to think of of the cataclysmic uh, consequences, the plagues that follow, the pandemics that follow, the heart failures, the famines, because the fields have all been ruined, fields of food all around the globe. Now, remember, if you're part of the church, the rapture has happened, and and no one uh, is uh, uh, followers of Christ. You're facing these things. We're gone. We're raptured, snatched away as anybody groom would snatch away his bride from being in such dire consequences. Well, boy, Pastor Jay, you, you're sure, sure a doomsday-ish kind of guy, aren't you? you? You know, this is a pretty weird scenario you've painted. I, I might agree with you if I had, if I had been the person to read it, write it. 
But the Apostle John wrote it. The same guy who wrote the Gospel of John that we read in the Bible. Same Apostle that wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the epistles that lead us and direct us and teach us. The one that Scripture says that Jesus loved. He was the one that wrote the book of Revelation. He was the last of the apostles living on the island of Patmos in exile. He wrote it after seeing the revelation of Jesus at least 60 years had passed by since Jesus' ascension. Jesus watched as, or John watched as Jesus opened the seal. And this is what it says in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 12. There was a great earthquake. They're not my words now, this is scripture. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black as sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned to blood red. The stars in the sky fell to the earth as figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. That's Revelations chapter 6, verse 12 to 16. Revelation 18. In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Can you imagine one hour? I can't imagine it because there's nothing like it. But that's what the great tribulation is. Nothing before is like it. Jesus is prophesying it. It's nothing like it ever has happened and nothing will happen like it ever again. Day two arises, and therefore, the Bible says, and one day her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. Boy, this, is a, this sounds very similar to the passage that Jesus shared at the Mount of Olives. I shared it a number of weeks ago. Just prior to his crucifixion, Matthew records his words with, the, with, with this statement. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That's from Jesus' words earlier. That was from 60 years earlier than this revelation at least. Luke is a little, the, the, the gospel writer Luke is a little bit more graphic in his description, if you can imagine this. Let me read it from Luke's perspective. There will be great earthquakes, and there will be famines and plagues in many lands, and there will be terrifying things, great and miraculous, signs from heaven. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and the strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Again, that's, not, that's written over 2,000 years ago by a man who had no idea of this age. Let me tell you, listeners, that the world after rapture is horrific. The true bride of Christ is safe, the Holy Spirit no longer present on earth to hold back the lawless one and in this perilous times. The authentic church has been snatched away, but the age is grace is over. Well, but the apostate church, the false church, is growing and flourishing, following the doctrine and teaching of demons. The Bible talks about that. I've mentioned that in past messages. You see, preaching 90% truth but 10% lies still is a lie. 
it's, it's still a lie. There's still religious entities on earth. Churches are still meeting. Islam's growing along with every other false religion. There's a lot of places to explore and experiment with religious and spirituality. It's just not authentic. In the hour of the rapture, with the only thing holding back the dragon being removed, the four horsemen of the apocalypse are released and all hell breaks loose. That's where we connect with some more vivid illustrations or pictures in the book of Revelation. Not sure what you think the great tribulation would look like, but it's pretty nasty. But first, we look at the first rider, the rise of the Antichrist. Many of you heard about the Antichrist. and I looked, this is again from the word of God, I looked and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow and he was given a crown and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. This is the time and the moment after when the great tribulation begins, this is the time and moment, the rise of the Antichrist known as the beast is become Satan incarnate. Just like Jesus came in the flesh, there's going to be an individual who is incarnate evil. The Bible calls him the man of perdition, the man of sin, the man of lawlessness. And he's going to be at work along with his wicked agent, the false prophet, in the flesh, deceiving, murdering, and destroying people, all while telling you, oh, all is well, everything's good. And the challenge is everyone believes him called truth default we tend to believe in people's nature and their goodness and they would never lie to us that's the first rider of the apocalypse then another horse came out a fiery red one its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other the fiery rider on the of the apocalyptic horses this one's war the blood of men and women around the globe who have not yet died will see death and blood like they've never seen it before nations will rise against nations for food supplies warring over water warring over oil warring over political dominance in this broken world the world's broken this is an absolute perfect time to try to rise up and form that one world government that antichrist would love what is more and by the way what is more important than oil and gold have you ever thought about what would be more important than that you know what it is of course, you know, fresh water. You can have all the oil and gold in the world, but if you don't have fresh water, you are in serious trouble. Hey, guess why there's a lot of activity in northern Canada from Russia and Canada and Norway and uh, all these people wanting to claim the rights to the, the, the fresh water at the North Pole. <laughs> it's uniquely interesting that there's all of this going on. Then the third seal. I looked and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. This is famine. Famine has hit. That's also what's going on with the apocalyptic writers. Agricultural ruin and ecological disaster hits the globe and widespread starvation begins to occur. Fresh water supplies are dwindling all over the place. It's a terrible scene. Ozone layers are being ripped apart. Rainforests again, all falling apart. Famine all across the world. Agricultural crops no longer there. Boating and shipping routes have been dismantled. Boats lie in ruin. Everywhere, the, the, the disaster is huge. goes on to say, Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, Two pounds of a wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. Interesting little 
comment there, right? He's talking about the super inflation or, or super scarcity in the wheat that's going to cost so much. But the interesting thing is luxury items are plentiful. The oil and the wine are around. Luxury items are plentiful, but basic practical nourishment and food can't be found or traded for gold. <laughs> you know, again, you say, what, what value is your savings and your RSPs and all of these things that we put all of our efforts and energy in if we are living in those days and all these things are, are, are useless if you can't find food? The fourth seal. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death. And Hades was falling close behind him. Well, it looks like this pale horse rider, Death, has a, has a partner named Hades. Death, the angel of death with his assistant Hades. I, just a, a quick, let me point out to you. Death is not only a state of being, which we're familiar with. In this case, death is a demonic angel ex existing since the ancient of days. I believe that. He's seen in the night of Passover in Exodus. The destroyer angel that brings death, killing all the firstborn sons of Egypt, only sparing those covered by the blood of a sacrificed lamb. Let me just allude to what John the Baptist calls Jesus as he sees him for the first time. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is our sacrificial lamb, church. He has paid the price. But back to our Revelation. I believe he's the death angel is even named in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11, as the angel king of the abyss, who's, the Bible says whose name is in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon, which means destroyer. The rider on the pale horse is the death angel of the abyss. At the great tribulation, he's released by Satan and allowed to mount up with Hades and ride throughout the earth with his army uh, just stinging and killing it talks about locusts like horses with tails that sting like scorpions killing and poisoning everything they touch the bible says they were given power over a quarter of the earth to kill by sword famine and plague and by the wild beasts of the earth famine and plague, a, a, a quarter man maybe we're looking at some of these things wrong maybe we should be adding up all the deaths going on in the world see how many people are dying not just of the plague Interesting to note, I like this, that at the rapture passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, it talks about death is swallowed up in victory. And then it's like this personification. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Like, like the writer is speaking not to an inanimate object. It's, it's speaking to the angel of death. Your sting, it doesn't affect me. Can't touch this, death angel. I've been raptured. I'm with Jesus. I know that my, uh, my, I have a savior. I'm good. But now, let's come back to reality for a moment. We know, you and I know, church knows, the rapture has not yet taken place. We're not raptured. We're right here. So be careful not to be fooled. Be careful not to be sucked in by the, 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 the schemes of the snake and the serpent. A couple of messages ago, I shared that serpents were cold-blooded creatures. Evil is cold-blooded. Evil is cold-blooded. The satanic trinity, the great dragon, the beast, and, and the false prophets, all are cold-blooded. The rebellion is against God, but the object and target of his attack and wrath is you and me. The Antichrist desires to bring nothing but destruction to you and your children. He's looking for your worship, and his desire is the same. It's always been since the day he was thrown out of heaven to exalt himself and be worshipped like God. That is his purpose. 
I want to keep going here. Now, some, I know you can argue my chronology of unfolding events. You, you can take issue to uh, the days and the moments and the times of the seal or the time frame of heaven. You can take issue and say that my narratives strung together are fictitious. And, and I, I wouldn't argue that. But let's bring some perspective now. Where they are a fictitious narrative of sorts, they're woven together from truth. Here's what you can't argue. The most obvious being the pestilence and plague that is rampaging through the earth right now in a way that we've never seen, COVID-19. Whatever you have personally come to conclude, life-threatening virus or demonic deception, and the consequences in both cases serve Satan's purposes. Demonic results occur no matter which one you believe. While the church fights about it, is divided about it, attacks governments about it, Satan sits back and laughs as churches close down, people drift from the faith and fight one another for toilet paper, and whether wearing or not wearing a mask is key to survival. Can't argue that. That's going on daily. What you can't argue is that NASA has never been concerned about asteroids hitting the Earth. A one-kilometer-wide asteroid capable of triggering mass destruction and extinction cruising through space at 55,000 kilometers an hour by Earth called PZ-39-2002 on Valentine's of this year happened. You can look it up for yourself. A large asteroid. Now, it didn't come close. Well, it came close enough that they were concerned, but not close enough to be really concerned. You, you, you can't argue that Cong uh, Congress has assigned NASA the goal of finding 90% of the near-Earth asteroids potentially hitting the Earth. And there's absolutely information out there about massive asteroids uh, swinging by Earth on Valentine's Day or the Shoemaker comment, uh, comment talked about uh, in 1992 that collided with into Jupiter, that they have seen that happen and the damage it does. You can't argue that on August 19th, 2020, Los Angeles Times reports California hit by 11,000 lightning strikes in 72 hours. Intense lightning strikes causing fire, moving with ferocious speed amid an intense heat wave, exploding overnight, burning homes, and causing thousands to flee. You can't argue January 2020, more than 11 million hectares uh, of of Bush and acres, 27.2 million acres of bush, forest, and parks across Australia were burned to a ground. You can't argue the study published in the Journal of Nature regarding the San Andreas Fault has reached significant stress levels for an earthquake of a magnitude greater than 7.0, finding great risk of a large Earthquake is rapidly increasing, according to the scientists, believing it's going faster than they believe. The information available suggests the fault is ready for the big next earthquake, but exactly when the triggering will happen and when the earthquake will occur, the scientists say they can't tell. The, the last quote I read, it could be tomorrow, it could be 10 years from now. We just don't know. You can't argue the desensitization of the biblical principles and moral decay at an alarming uh, pace. The sexual violence of pedophiles. Children all over the world are being raped, kidnapped, and forced into enslavement in the global sex trades. With legislation coming through California's governor reducing the penalties for sodomy with minors, reported on Washington Times Friday, September 4th. 
There's all kinds of terrible things. You can't argue that this week, there was, this past week, there was a peace treaty signed, uh, at least a, a, a beginning of a, a peace treaty being signed September 15, 2020, establishing the foundation between Israel and the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain. There are things that are going on, and there's no doubt that there is an anti-Christian bias creeping into our societal thinking. And here's the challenge. Here's the biggie for me looking in. And a lot of believers are not seeing it or not wanting to believe it. I'm amazed at how many Christians are so determined and loyal to systems that God clearly warns us about. Are we becoming more and more dependent on the things of earth to get us through these hardships rather than turning to Jesus? It's a good question. It's a question I leave with you, church. Are we becoming more dependent on our governments to get us what we need, or are we becoming more dependent on Jesus? Mm-hmm.